one month of consistent work it, at a lower rate is worth um, one month of spotty individual projects that were built at a higher rate because there was a lot of empty time in between as well. There's the time spent interviewing and looking for these gigs. And so, so I think there is maybe some justification for having a flexible rate. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of My Freelance Life, a podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I am Preston Lee and with me on the air, as I find joyfully is on the other end of the line every single week, is my friend Andy. How are you doing, Andy? Great. Thank you. How are you? Good, man. I am doing fantastic. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I'm excited to catch up. If you've listened to the show before, folks, you know that Andy quit his job about a year ago to start working for himself, and this show is a mostly weekly check-in between me and Andy to uh, to see what it's really like when you quit your job, start freelancing full-time, and become your own boss. And you'll find show notes for this episode and all of our other episodes at FreelanceLifePodcast.com. There you can find any details on Andy's journey, photos, all the episodes, and, uh, and like I said, nice summaries of each episode as well so you can catch up on the whole story. Uh, I'm excited to chat today because it's been a couple weeks in uh, real world time since we last yeah. talked, Andy. So tell me, how are things going? Oh, they're going pretty good, actually. These last few weeks have been... I mean, it, it feels like there it there's always something different about each week or each couple of weeks. It's been rare that it's just been one continuous, consistent flow where things are, are the same. And right. uh, for these last few weeks, what it's felt like is I felt really productive, but they have not been the most um, financially profitable weeks. They haven't been the most profitable weeks, but they have been very productive. And and I mean, we can get into reasons why, but it's felt really good because I feel like I've been less prone to distractions and I've been able to put in a lot of like good hours working on things, but it's just been all the like extra things besides just the actual billable hours and whatnot. Oh, that's really interesting because I think it presents like this. If you're going from a full-time job to working for yourself full-time, sometimes at a job, it's sort of like if you stay busy and get mostly important things done, then like you don't get fired and you keep getting a paycheck. But sometimes when you're working for yourself, you can actually, and I'm not saying you're doing this, but I do have a point to this. I, I, you can actually do busy work and like stay productive and work and work and work and still not make as much money as you need to at the end of all of it. So I guess, I guess my question is like, what kind of work are you doing? Or is it stuff that's going to set you up for some, you know, more long-term uh, financial success later? Or like what, when you say you're staying productive, but, but ne- the money isn't necessarily yeah. following right now, what kind of things are those? Some of it is for like, good reason by that i would say like well no i don't even know if this would qualify as a good reason let me just i'll I'll tell you what the things were and then we can decide uh so some of the things that i've been spending time on that have not been like directly generating profit the way the other things do on do is these fixed price projects so i mean most of the time and we've talked about this in the past most of the time the projects i work on have been like build hourly. And those are nice because if the, if the project takes a while, then right. you, you 
get paid, yeah. you know, as you're working on it. And as the project increases in its size and its scope, then you'll end up getting paid more. But I've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've been working on two different fixed price projects, which I took them on because they looked really fun and I wanted to do them even though, and I knew that in theory I could give them a completed item in the amount of hours that would be, you know, that would correspond to the fixed right. price amount. Um, but I kind of just took them way beyond that and spent a lot of my time on it, which I know if if I was trying to be really careful, that probably would not be a wise thing to do because it'd be more important to, you know, keep the amount of hours I spend on it short and then spend my time on other projects. But I just really wanted to. And they were great like little training episodes for me because the extra time that I spent in them was making it, um, I mean, it, it had all the functionality they needed, but I was basically just working on it to improve the aesthetics of it and like the user interface of it. And I was able to learn a lot of things during that time, things that I wouldn't feel comfortable billing to somebody because it was kind of like a like a portfolio piece really that I was really spending a lot of time on. So that was a big, uh, in fact, if I we were to look at the hours, that's probably the biggest cause of all of this is that I just spent a lot of extra hours on these two different fixed price projects. Uh, well, and, and I mean, me. that alone is enough motivation, I think, to, to work on something. I don't think, I mean, that's the whole reason you started doing this was to like work on projects you enjoy and care about and, and are excited to get up in the morning about. I also, I also think though, like it can be so easy to think like, well, this doesn't directly translate to more money, so I'm not going to do it. But you can actually leave opportunity and future financial gain on the table by thinking that way too strictly. You know what I mean? Like I think if you only think, how can I benefit from this right now? What what financial gain can I get from this right now? Then you could, you could potentially forfeit other benefits. For example, um, you have now over delivered for this particular client without charging them more, right? It, like it's, it's even better than they imagined. They're hopefully mm-hmm. delighted yeah. and wowed when they receive the, the project when it's finished and you send it to them. Hopefully they're just like blown away and that leads to more referrals. That means that leads to future work that leads to just satisfied customers and sleeping at night, knowing that you're doing a good job. I mean, there's lots of, there are a lot of things wrapped up into this idea of like doing your best work. Yeah. I think that those are good points. And, and it's true. I mean, if, if I were to be in their shoes and pay what I paid and then received what I gave them, I, I think, I hope that they would be blown away and that was not what they would be expecting something that's that polished and, and whatnot. So I do, I do hope that, yeah, what you've said could, could happen. And, and I wasn't doing it for this, for this reason. I wasn't doing it because I thought it would lead to refers, referrals and, and such, I mean, maybe some repeat work or whatever, but um, even the fact that and as I was describing it earlier, I mentioned that they could be like portfolio pieces. And I don't know that I yeah, thought about that so much benefit. before, but that might be great because, yeah, I don't, I haven't had much. In fact, like when I first made my Upwork profile, fairly early on, I added some like screenshots of things that I'd built and nothing in there is like especially fancy. And so that's part of my, my, spring cleaning list, which doesn't have to wait till spring, but my spring cleaning list for my Upwork profile is to, is to make that, you know, 
um, more representative of the work I do. And so now I, I have some great examples to add to it. And it's kind of hard because of what I work on. It's hard to have good portfolio pieces to share. And oftentimes people will ask for examples and I don't have good examples because a lot of what I do, I mean, as opposed to like a graphic designer who can share it's a, like a website mock-up they do or a logo or like a branding scheme they did for somebody. Um, I I can't necessarily share what I've made for people because a lot of time what makes it useful and functional and like viewable in the, the way it's meant to be viewed oh, is yeah. all of the data within it. And so I suppose I could just take things, fill it with a whole bunch of dummy data and remove like the the logo for the company of whoever it was or blurred out or whatever. But a lot of that stuff is also very interactive. And so it's hard to share that in, in a screenshot as well. But anyway, I do, I do need to find good portfolio pieces and these might be great examples of. Yeah. It could be cool to show like, like an animated, you know, GIF or, or something of, of actually using the tool. And like you said, some dummy data, but yeah, I see what, I see what you're saying. Like going up, that's, Yet another benefit going above and beyond on a real life project uh, is is a great portfolio builder. I th- I think too like talking about project rates versus hourly rates. Well, so one benefit that I hadn't realized, but that you had included in some notes you sent me, was um, this idea of of a, a previous client contacting you and and. Um, wanting to hire you at what your old hourly rate was, which is now lower than your standard rate. And I was thinking that actually ties into this because that goes away with project-based pricing, right? Like if they come to you, I mean, it potentially could go away. I guess Mm -hmm. if they come back with the exact same project and it's quoted higher then that presents an issue, but if they come back with a similar project and it's quoted differently, they don't know if it's because the product is different or your rates have gone up or whatever. So that could actually present yet another benefit of um, of this project-based ap- pricing approach to where you can be yeah. a little more flexible in raising your prices. Yeah, I think, I think that's a good point. And I hadn't thought about that with that client particularly, but um, it's a good point that it's less... Unless in their mind, the two projects are very similar and the one time it was quoted at a certain price and the second time it's quoted right, at double yeah. that, then they might notice that. But but if, if they're not aware of that and they're just two like separate generic projects, then the actual hourly rate gets kind of hidden in the total cost and the way you break it up may, you know, may and this sounds sneaky, but it might like disguise the fact that the rates have gone up. Uh, with that, with that client, we, we did some projects before. They're awesome to work with. I, I really enjoyed working with them. Then we closed out, you know, our, our initial contract that we had. And then after a while, or we, we still kept talking uh, about things here and there and planning for like future projects that we would probably end up doing together. And then recently, you know, it came time that we're actually ready to start on some of these things. And, and so they just went into Upwork and started a new contract or, or sent me an offer. And I don't know if they, if like when they clicked to make an offer, if my current hourly rate naturally filled in or uh, if the, the last yeah. rate that we had a contract on 
naturally filled in. So I don't know if they just like clicked it, moved forward and went with it, or if they saw what it was and they had <laughs> right. to like explicitly it, yeah. go and change it to a previous rate. And then, then they would just like wait and see how I would respond to it. And I, I definitely thought about this as I was accepting the offer. I wondered if I should, you know, say something or whatever and be like, oh, I noticed, or you may have seen that my hourly rate is up and blah, blah, blah. But I thought, eh, honestly, I'm, I'm okay with it because for, for this next project, I'm okay with it because I really enjoy working with this client and the rate that we worked at before was still a rate that I'm happy to work for. It's not like my, my, my newest, highest rate, but I, I'm okay with it. And I think in the future, when we do other projects, I'll probably say, by the way, my rate's gone up, but you know, I really enjoy working with you. So I, um, on our next project, I won't charge you the rate that I'm charging to all my new customers, but like something um, in between, if yeah. we can move it up X yeah. amount or whatever, that would be you great. could even, you could even honestly yeah. ask them for the higher rate and see what they come back with. Like if they just say, absolutely not, then you say, well, can, you know, can you get any closer to that number? Like, could we meet in the middle before you just give up the extra, maybe try and maybe they don't care. Maybe, maybe yeah. you're right. Maybe it just like automatically filled in. You can maybe do some research and see if, or ask the Upwork support team if it, if it just fills in like your previous rate or whatever, right? It could be an interesting negotiation. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, a similar thing happened to me yesterday, actually. I was on a call with a potential new client and they asked me after we had done all the, this time looking at the, the, the problem they had that they wanted solved, then they were saying, okay, so how do we do this hourly fixed price, whatever. And then the client said, I see your rate is, you know, here, do you have any flexibility with that? And so far I've always felt like I've needed Give to into that a little bit. Oh yeah. Um, justify that or, or potentially offer some flexibility. So like I've come up with this line, <laughs> this sounds <laughs> This sounds weird. But anyway, I, I've come up with this line where it's kind of like, um, oh, yeah, that's my rate. And it just depends on, you know, the complexity of the project, the length of the project. And all these things right. I think are true. I'm not just blowing smoke. It's like if the project is going to be especially complex, then I think that the value of it is higher and therefore I can charge higher. But if the project is going to go on for a long time and I can anticipate that and rely on that, then I don't have to charge as much because, you know, I'd rather have my rate at 75%, but have it last for a month as opposed to having it not at all. And so I think, and I guess this is a, this is a reality for freelancers that when you, when you have a salary, you can get paid lower per hour because Right. And, and you know exactly what you're going to get paid every month and you can budget your expenses accordingly. Yeah. And and beyond that, also, there's all the individual startup right. costs that you have with every new client of getting to know the project, of spending time researching it. Some of the stuff that may not end up being billed, plus all the time to like um, deliver it and follow up with things. Again, some of this might be billed, some of it may not. So if I'm going to work for a really a quick, like, a few hour project or something that's only going to take a day or two, then yeah, I'll want to make my higher rate. But if I'm going to start working with you and we're just going to keep chugging along and you keep, you know, sending projects my way, then I would be okay with less because it would kind of even out in the end. Because ah, it sort of gets absorbed evenly over a long, ter- long period of time. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One one month of consistent work yeah. is, at a lower rate is worth um, one month of spotty individual projects that were built at a higher rate because there was a lot of empty time in between as well. There's the time spent interviewing and looking for these gigs. And so, so I think there is maybe some justification for having a flexible rate. But all that being said, <laughs> and that was a lot being said, um, I think... I wish I would have done it differently yesterday because they asked me and I kind of told them that in a much more abbreviated fashion. And then I said, or I said, so I could probably do this next project for you for X amount. And I gave them 20%. I quoted them at 20% off there. Now, part of the reason is because we had before that already uh, decided that future projects together would probably end up being fixed price because they would be very well defined. We would both know at the beginning what was expected so I could accurately anticipate and quote them. And anyway, so this was essentially going to be a one-time hourly rate or hourly project with this client followed by multiple fixed price projects. And so, and it was only going to take a few hours and I thought, ah, whatever, I'll just do it, do it for less. And partially it was because I was trying to win this client knowing that there would be future work together. Still, all this being said, with the previous things being said, I kind of mm. wish I just wouldn't have because I don't feel like right now I'm struggling for clients. You're not that desperate. Yeah. And part of what I've been doing is trying to see if my current rate, this is like this long, almost you know, year-long project, more than half your project right now, has been an experiment to see if this rate is right for me, if the market handles it, if the value I'm providing mm. makes people feel like it's worth it, yeah, happy enough with it, and and I feel like I'm not struggling for clients right now. Um, I still have you know enough ongoing work with other clients that I have enough to work on. I didn't need to pick up this other client yesterday, and part of me wishes I would have just said, no, and just that's see what, my yeah, rate. Just see what happens. And then see what happens. Right. Like that's the whole point of what I'm doing. But it's so, it's so but, like, again, coming back to this idea of like freelancing versus a full-time job, you, you don't know if like next month you're not, it, there's, even though the signs are all good that you will have plenty of work for the foreseeable future next month, there's like still, at least with me, there's still this fear that like everything could disappear. <laughs> and I don't know why that fear exists, I guess because uh, of my even greater fear of like interviewing for a job and getting a job, all of those things produce a lot of anxiety inside of me. And so um, <laughs> I just, I, I I relate to that so much. Like, like no matter how well things are going, I posted on Twitter a while ago, actually. And I was like, okay, for those of you who've been doing this work for yourself thing longer than I have, when does the feeling go away of like, this could all disappear tomorrow, <laughs> you know? And the, the answers were varied. Some people were like, yeah, you know, it happened after I got a couple of <laughs> good clients. And some people were like, it never goes away. <laughs> so it's, I think it's, it's probably a personal thing. I will say like, <laughs> Uh, in terms of pricing, I think it can be really tempting uh, for people to to discount their pricing. One of the best pieces of advice I've heard about pricing, and I don't even remember who I heard it from, is instead of discounting your rate, uh, 
adjust the scope of the project to the client's budget. So if they say that they only, if you know, if you say that'll be $500 and they say, uh-huh. oh, we only have 350 then you say, great, for 350 here's what I can offer you. And I think that's obviously a lot easier with project project-based pricing or value-based pricing as opposed to hourly. But still, I think, I think that can apply where you say like, you know, my rate for, for this, you know, if you want it delivered by next week, the rate is my top rate. If you can wait three weeks, then I'm happy to squeeze you in at a lower rate in my like in between time, other in between other projects or whatever. I think there are ways to, but, but I love this advice because it's, it's, you're sort of, you're sort of still going with hourly or project-based, but you're leaning toward value. Like, for for your budget, here's the value I can provide. Here's what you your budget is worth in terms of value returned to you from me. And I just really liked sort of that whole paradigm of of looking at um, at pricing that way. Yeah, I, I I like that, and that's a a great um, a great way to handle that sort of thing with, with those fixed price projects to just turn around and say because. I mean, really, if if you're being honest right, with yeah. them and saying yes. for this amount, this is what I can provide, then that should, that should be a win-win. Well, not necessarily a win-win, but it should be fine for both people because you're not, you know, being put out by it because you're literally having to do less, and they're not being put out because they're still getting a product that if yeah. they agree to, then yeah, and it gives them a chance with. to say, yeah, like okay, that. well, that's fine. What I actually need is this other thing, and if it costs more, that's fine. Or they can say, okay, well. Actually, we don't need this 20% of the project. It's sort of bloated, you know, requests from my superiors or whatever. So let's pull that out and we we can go with the the what our budget is or whatever. So it does provide some opportunity to just say, look, here, you know, here's what what it will cost. If you can't afford that, here's what you can get for what you can afford. And that happens all the time in business. But some but sometimes as freelancers, we let ourselves get taken advantage of because because of that fear that does exist that like, oh, are we going to lose this client or are we not going to have enough clients next month or can we not pay the bills or whatever? It, it's a very real concern that most freelancers face of all all degrees of, you know, experience and expertise. Yeah, I think I think you're right. If, if I had been in a different in a different position, like if if for some reason I just was sitting around with no work to do with no clients or with few clients, then maybe I would have. I would have felt more justified in like offering a discount right off the bat or saying, yes, I'm, I'm flexible in pricing, but I, I don't, I don't need to do that. Like I, I'm okay with that. Even I'm okay with the possibility of giving a discount, but I don't need to right now. And so I, I just wish I wouldn't have. And I'm going to try to remember that move moving forward to just, just be like, as no, that is, that is what, you have to pay to get me to work on something right now because I have plenty of great projects going on. And uh, if you want in on this action, <laughs> and that's action, kind of always been gotta, my motto is like, you got to pay the fee. Uh, if you have plenty of clients, raise your prices until you stop getting, you know, new requests or 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 stop being able to book clients or partners easily, and then then you kind of know where the top level is for what you're currently providing. You can fill up, you can go back down a little, fill up your client pool again. And then as it's full, you start raising your prices again. The market will tell you like where you should settle. And as you, and don't forget, as you get better, the market's willing to pay more for the things that you're doing. And so, um, it, it, I think it's important to keep in mind that Uh like that's going to fluctuate and hopefully fluctuate upward, uh, over the months and years that you're working. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I think that, uh, there's something about it. Maybe it's because 
a, a people pleaser and I, and I want to be able to work on everybody's project that sounds fun to me. And so I think, oh, let, let me see if I can catch this one as well. But maybe I would be better off to just really stop trying to take on. And I, I don't think I'm being that like dramatic about trying to take on everything. But maybe I should just really just ignore a lot of these interview requests. Mm. For one, I'd stop spending time on them. And for two, I'd really just be able to have take the projects that I have now and and totally just like knock them out really quick and get them done and then have worked on a lot of that stuff, not spent the time on the interviewing and then start over again and, and interview for new ones. I think part of the reason yeah, why I, I mean, have, I think there's a, there's a fine balance between like working, working, then hunting, hunting, working, hunting, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like at the same time, every day doing a little bit of both because you can't find yourself in a situation where then there's large gaps. Right. Yeah. And I think maybe I will, I'll, keep it mixed somewhat because I do like for the, for like the sake of financial planning, I like being able to like actually earn money every day and to go to all of a sudden stop and just be looking for jobs. I think then that stress would really settle in. Yeah, for sure. I haven't felt it much. I like what you were describing. I haven't felt that much because as I'm looking for jobs, I'm also working on another one. So I like always am working and earning money. And so I think I like it that way and I'll keep it mixed. But I think while doing this sort of experiment of, of various of various things involved in the way I, I attract clients and whatever is I'll just only see what comes along that is willing to pay, you know, the rate that I've posted. And, and, and if it turns out that like no one is, no one is um, hiring me at that rate, then eventually the current clients that I'm working on will all fizzle out and I'll, and I'll be in one of those stages where it's now hunt, hunt, hunt. And then I'll, then I can tweak the the rate and everything. But if I keep changing my rate, I won't have good results from my experiment. Yeah, that's true. You won't have, you're a data guy. You need the data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think with this one, I, I had another thought about the whole giving a discount for, um, yeah, for a longer project. And that is that I don't, have to offer it at the beginning. In fact, that's kind of like a good litmus test if they're willing to work with me and if and it proves that they're going to be like a client that's easy to work with and that sees value in what I'm doing is are they willing to pay my full price up front? The way this came about was because another client that I've worked on who's also really awesome to work with and I've probably I think I've made more from them in the last 2 months than than any other client that I've worked on even for longer periods of time. So the whole time I've been a freelancer over a year now, year and a half, probably getting close to this is my, the client that has brought more to me financially than any other client. So they're really awesome. We've done a lot of great work together and they said, Hey, I'm wondering if, you know, you might consider a discount for long-term work. And I'm thinking I'm totally fine giving them a discount. They've brought a lot of work my way. I'm happy to, you know, return the favor. Yeah. And, and if, you know, if they're going to help, you know, bring you work for a whole year or something like that's, that's a big deal. Again, coming back to that feast famine thing, like if you can predict it, then you can take a little bit lower rate. And with this one, I I think the perfect setup is that we started out at my rate, they were happy to pay it. And now that we've both proven to each other that it's a worthwhile relationship, what I can do is 
pass along to them the discount that I'm getting. So if, if for me specifically, this is an Upwork specific situation, but I think you could translate it to others, is that Upwork takes 20% right. of my posted rate or or of what the client is being charged. Um, they take 20%. After you spend, after there's five, I think it's $500 between a client and freelancer, then Upwork, and that can be across multiple projects, Upwork will drop their fee to 10%. And then after you, I think it's it's much higher, it's like $10,000 or something between two um, parties, then they drop it to 5%. And so uh, I thought- So you could just pass that along to them. Yeah. I mean, we'll just, we'll just pass it along. So if I was, for whatever I was making after Upwork took the 20%, I will just keep making that and I'll give the 10% to you or I'll, I'll adjust my fee so that you're now paying less. And then when we hit the 5% mark, then I'll, I'll adjust it again. Then I actually think that's brilliant. Yeah. It's kind of nice because in some ways I don't think about that. Sometimes I, I'll do some math on it and see what I'm really making. But a lot of times I just think about my rate the same as what the client's thinking of. And so it kind of tricks me because I'm still making the same amount all along in my mind. <laughs> and, but yet the client sees that going down and it's, and it's giving them the reward of a discount act after they've always already earned it. Instead of saying, hypothetically, if you're going to make this a long-term relationship, I'll start by giving you a discount now, which could get me into trouble. Yeah. It could even, you could even just do it the same way that Upwork does it, right? You just be open with a client and say, you know, as soon as we've billed, what was the first tier, did you say? Uh, 500. Yeah, so as soon as we've built 500 bucks, I'm happy to pass on that that discount to you. And then, you know, once we've hit the 10,000 mark or whatever, I'm happy to pass on an even bigger discount to you. Uh, I I think that actually could work in your favor because then it's sort of like, it, it also adds like another party to the mix to where it's not you like being a stickler. You're sort of saying like, this is kind of how it works. And Yeah, blame it on them kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I think that's what I'm going to do. And I mean, to show you the kind of client this is to work with and how great they are and how not, um, how, how focused on value they are, we haven't even got to that conversation again yet. Like they brought it up in an email that had a lot of follow-up things on the project. And so I replied to him and I, I didn't tell them the exact things, but I said, yeah, I'm willing to talk about a discount. But that was several days ago, maybe even a week ago. And all we've done since then is just keep working. They're just so eager to get all these projects done and it's so worthwhile to them and their <laughs> so company that it's that they're not worried about saving a, f- a few nickels and dimes here by getting the discount done a few days early. So there you go. we'll see when it comes up. And I, I think I'll propose to them that idea of passing along the saving to them. Yeah, clearly you're very valuable to them. I think that's pretty obvious. You know, one other thing, to kind of pivot away from this, but not entirely because we've been talking about this as well, the the fixed price projects. I wanted to share an insight I had an insight I had this week about fixed price projects. Great, yeah. Maybe because, let's uh, let's do this one and then we'll probably wrap it up. Is that will that work? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I think so. That's good. Yeah, great. So I I said I had been working on these two fixed price projects, which I really enjoyed. And I had a realization about getting these fixed price projects. Uh, this Again, this is somewhat Upwork specific, but I think it would definitely apply. It can still definitely apply outside of it. Is that my rate 
amongst those who do what I do on Upwork, I'm pretty sure my rate is at the very top of the spectrum. I don't know where it's nice. at. I haven't looked up other people. Maybe once in the last year and a half have I looked up as if I were a client to see like where I fall within things and what other people's things I've like kind of subconsciously and sometimes consciously purposefully not done that. I don't know. Maybe I'm worried that it'll like psych me out when I see, Oh, there's all these great people that have so many good qualifications or whatever. I've just kind of avoided it. But, and I, I've been fine so far. I haven't needed to do that like competition research. But anyway, I would estimate that I am definitely at the higher end of the spectrum. And so that makes it difficult when I'm bidding on hourly projects because um, I'm bidding against people that could be charging uh, 25% of what I charge yeah. or, or less. And, and the potential client can and see that, all of it on like one page. They can just skim the yes, page. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So they see a list of people and... I mean, it one, it's really nice to, to be in that particular tier because the clients you're going to attract are the clients like the one I just described, who's more concerned, like their, their company is stable enough that they can be more concerned about just building things and making things, you know, come together than they are about, you know, getting nitpicky over pricing or whatever. And those, uh, like other people are fine to work with if, if they still have those financial concerns, like I'm still happy to work with them, but there is some sort of like logistical relief and not having to worry about all that. But anyway, so I, I mean, in some ways it's really good to be set apart from everyone else because it, it shows clear value, but you also have to, you'll only match up with clients who are willing to pay that obviously. Now, if I'm bidding on a fixed price project, it is possible that, um, Someone posts a project and says, hey, we're willing to pay $500 for this project, or that's what they like post. When you make a proposal on that project, you can say, I'll do it for $400. And there's probably people out there that are like, I can do it for $400 or, or $100 right, or yeah. whatever. Almost all the time, I'll just keep their same, their same proposed budget most of the time or often because it just hasn't been fully, um, we haven't got all the details aligned yet and so it'd be hard for me to give like a more precise oh, that makes sense yeah proposal without going through that but assuming I, I mean aside from everyone who is bidding differently if if all the people making proposals on that job posting are bidding like the the initial budget amount then and they look at all the freelancers i'm on equal footing with everyone else in terms of what it would cost them to hire me. But if they look at our hourly rates, there is all of a sudden this incredibly, you know, different perceived value, I would imagine, because they're saying, oh, this person who charges X amount, um, I love that. Actually. We'll do this for yeah. me for $500 or this person who charges four times that and is probably you know, way more experienced or, or more solid with whatever, or easier to work with, whatever justifies their, their hourly rate, they'll do it for me for the same cost. So I pay the same amount, but I might get a whole lot more in return. And so I've been, I had this like insight and I thought I should maybe start purposely using this and going after more fixed price. Projects. I love that. I, I'd love to hear how that experiment pans out. I think that's something I hadn't thought through, but there is, there is definitely a perceived value when your rate is higher. 
Um, and let me also speak from experience because I've been in a corporate setting where I've needed to hire someone in something like an Upwork. And they're, they're, you know, I'll put a fixed price in there and someone will come back and they'll say, I can do it for a quarter of that. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, will it get done right? And <laughs> there's like, there's some skepticism um, around it when when you dip too low below the budget, which is, which maybe seems you know, from a freelancer's point of view, seems counterintuitive. Like, why wouldn't they just take the cheapest one? But there's definitely like this, uh, you want to get it done, yes, but and you want to get it done under budget, yes, but you also like want to get it done right and not have a bunch of headaches along mm-hmm. the way and not have to find someone new halfway through the project. And there's all of these other things worked in. And and also let's remember that that budget probably isn't my own money out of my pocket. Like like most people hiring freelancers yeah. on Upwork are people in a corporate setting where their boss said, you have $1,000, go see if you can do this thing. And, and, and these employees are saying, okay, well, I have 1000 bucks. I'll spend 500 of it on you know, a freelancer to help me with these pieces and then 500 bucks on whatever else, something else. And, and so they don't care if you can do it for 400 or 300 or, or whatever, because it's not their money. They just have this directive. They care about getting it done right. They care about getting it done pretty fast probably. Um, and, and they care about you like not wasting a ton of their time. So that's, I, I love that. I'd love to hear how that goes here in a few months, like bidding on more fixed, fixed, price projects with a higher rate it could be really cool to see if a freelancer could pull this off to where their rate is just like over the top high hourly rate is over the top high and they never get any uh-huh. hourly projects but because it's so <laughs> high they get like tons of fixed price projects you know what i mean like it'd be fun to set up i know we're not going to do this we can't do this but it'd be fun to set up two like freelance accounts in upwork and test uh-huh. that and see if you get more fixed price projects because your hourly rate is higher. So anyway, I love that. Good luck with that. And and I'm sure we will be talking about it. Yeah, I, I'll give that a try. But I guess our to to wrap it up, our the experiments now are I'm going to be more strict with my hourly rate, unless it's so, something that I can see looks really, really fun and I'm I'm willing to do that. Um, I think with the client yesterday, I just they were they were cool. They probably would bring a lot of work, but I, there was also like I could feel some anxiety creeping in as to like the nature yeah. of the work and if it was going to be a weird relationship later on maybe. So yeah, I'll be being strict with my rate and just see how many people are totally fine with it and how many it weeds out. And then experiment number two will be instead of just sitting around, not that I'm sitting around, but sitting around waiting for uh, invitations to come in, I'll proactively go out, do a search for Google app script or, Google Sheets, right. filter it by only those that are fixed price pro- projects. And if the budget actually does make sense for me, because I think that's a that's an important note, is that I wouldn't be bidding on fixed price projects regardless, only when the budget actually is something I'm okay with it, okay with, then I'll go through and just apply to a bunch of those and see if I easily jump to the top. Yeah, that'll be really fun to see. And uh, this is a conversation completely for another day, um, because like I said, and you said, we do need to wrap this up. But my friend Ian Paget, who um, <laughs> who co-hosts uh, another podcast called Side Gig with me, um, he would argue, like, hire someone else to do that. Hire someone else, uh, like a VA at a very cheap rate to go through those, all those gigs for you and, and like, automatically apply you to, to or, or filter requests that you're getting or whatever, like, 
that would be sort of uh-huh. next level is like hiring someone to do all of that work. So anyway, we can chat about that another day. I think this has been a fantastic conversation on pricing. I love how in detail you got about what's going through your brain about pricing. I think pricing is like a, a major question that all freelancers face. So um, I really, really appreciate the chat today, man. Yeah, thank you. I, it had this great theme yeah. to it. I hope it was insightful or if people enjoyed it. Yeah, and speaking of people enjoying it, um, we love hearing from you on iTunes. If you're listening, uh, we got a review here that I absolutely love. It's from Katie Grissom, and it's called, the title of her review is, I Quit My Job Today. She gave us five stars. Thank you, Katie. She said, Ooh. I found this podcast the same exact day that I told my boss that I'm leaving the agency to move to Phoenix and become a freelancer. It's been an emotional day, but this <laughs> podcast gave me so much motivation and confirmation that this is the right thing to do. Thank you so much, she says. Uh, thank you, Katie. We really appreciate you listening and we appreciate yeah. the review. If you are enjoying the show, if you're finding it motivating or uh, educational or helpful or insightful or just entertaining, we hope you're finding it at least one or two of those things. Please do leave us a review on iTunes. It helps other freelancers like Katie or like you find the show. And um, and again, Katie, thank you so much. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We will talk again soon, Andy. Good luck, Katie. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck, Katie. We'd love to hear how things are going. Have fun. I hope, yeah. Yeah, do have fun. You know, this isn't all about work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I um I I love that. I was about to jump into the outro and I just I'm glad you included that. So uh so good luck <laughs> and have fun, Katie. Um we'd love to hear from you. You can hit us up on Twitter and let us know how how your freelancing is going. Um before we do jump off the air though, just a reminder that show notes for this episode are at freelancelifepodcast.com. You can find all of our other podcasts as well at millo.co slash podcasts. That's millo.co slash podcasts. This episode was edited by Danny Gilman as he, he does a fantastic job every week. And the theme music for the show, which I still love even almost a year later, is by Joaquin Garud called Road Trip. We'll talk to you next time, Andy and everyone else, on episode 27 of My Freelance Life. Bye. Bye.